the Tang Dynasty, Shangguan Wan'er was an imperial consort, also described as the female prime minister. Wan'er was groomed by Empress Wu Zetian, who is recognized as the only female sovereign in the history of China. Historical writings state that Wan'er's grandfather, Shangguan Yi, was a high-ranking official during the reign of Emperor Gaozong, whose second wife, Empress Wu Zetian, later conspired to have him put to death. So after Yi passed away, Wan'er and her mother, Lady Zheng, were spared, but were banished to become palace slaves. As Wan'er grew up, However, it became clear that she had a remarkable talent for writing. She composed poems and essays so beautiful, she caught the attention of the Empress Wu, who summoned her with a test. Wan'er was asked to compose an essay on a given theme right in front of her, and she did so, in fact, marvelously well. So the empress appointed 13-year-old Wan'er as her personal secretary, taking on the responsibility of writing most of the imperial decrees, accepting proposals and petitions of court officials. Wan'er was also said to have a beautiful face, but it was her writing style that was known to be exceptionally beautiful. When the emperor died, the now Empress Dowager Wu declared herself emperor, establishing her own Zhou dynasty, during which Wan'er cemented her position as leading advisor. Her talent for composing edicts, political and cultural works, renowned throughout the kingdom. However, Wan'er was said to have once crossed the Empress severely, so much so that she was supposed to be given the death penalty for disobeying her. Yet, because of her great talent, the Empress would not bear to, instead deciding to brandish Wan'er's face with a tattoo, a penalty known in ancient Chinese history as Mo. Literally translating into ink, it was one of the five punishments recorded in ancient China. Mo was the lightest of them all, where the offender would be tattooed on the forehead or the face with indelible ink. The others were Yi, where the offender's nose would be amputated without an anesthetic. Yue, which was when either foot or both were amputated. Gong, when the male offender would be castrated and sentenced to become a eunuch in the imperial palace. And finally, Da Pi, which was death by torture. Offenders would be subject to horrific methods of execution, such as quartering, which literally refers to what it does, cutting the body into four pieces, boiling alive, and the most severe of all, which means tearing off the body by four horses attached to chariots. It is quite horrible indeed, but there is a purpose here for our discussion today. Going back to Wanner, ink torture was, well, 
almost regarded as the de facto death penalty for women who offended the Empress Wu. Almost because we know that Wan Er was in fact supposed to be sentenced to death. But only because of her talent in writing was she considered valuable to Empress Wu, and thus her life was spared. But even in ancient times, women were regarded to have valued their appearance more than men. So punishment by ink was a form of psychological torture. What more to a woman with a beautiful face? It was supposed to ruin her as an act of disfigurement. However, being the intelligent beauty that she was, what Wanner did subsequently was quite remarkable. She devised to decorate her forehead with plum blossom makeup, also known as Huadian, in order that the ink tattoo would be concealed. So she tattooed a red plum blossom around her scar, dyeing it red. In fact, it was said that the red plum blossom didn't just cover her scar; it made her look even more beautiful and charming. Then it started trending on TikTok. Just kidding. So then it became so popular amongst the palace ladies and the common folk that it came to be known as the representative makeup of the Tang Dynasty, known as Hong Mei Zhuang, which means red plum makeup. The origins of Huadian are equally fascinating. It was said to have originated in the Southern Dynasty period, created by Princess Shouyang. The daughter of Emperor Wu of Liu Song, legend states that the princess was taking a nap when a plum blossom fell on her forehead and cheeks, leaving beautiful imprints of the petals, which stayed for three days. Now, how's that for beauty sleep? Another version says that she was taking a walk in early spring when the flower. Blown by the wind, landed on her forehead, leaving an indelible mark. Because the princess looked so beautiful with the mark of blossoms on her face, it inspired all to imitate her, sparking a trend during the northern and southern dynasties, spanning 420 and 589 AD. But it was not until the Tang Dynasty, at least 200 years later. That one intelligent beauty, by the name of Shangguan Wanner, ancient beauty's only ever female prime minister, that the trend was revived. This time, born out of a cruel punishment, one intended to destroy a woman's face, a mark of disfigurement, not merely branding one as a criminal, but in order that her life would most surely be ruined. Two thousand years later, women still greatly suffer from the psychological distress associated with scars. We have the idea that scars disfigure; they represent imperfection, and hence we must regard them as ugly, as a mark of the unwanted. We think, from a medical perspective, 
we realize that scars, whether arising out of injury or surgery, are not exactly considered desirable either. However, the process of the formation of scars is an essential part of healing. This is what happens when one has an injury. First, hemostasis when bleeding is stopped. When you have a cut, your body directs blood vessels to begin clumping together in order to protect the wound and to prevent further blood loss. They form clots, which turn into scabs as they dry with the help of blood cells known as platelets. Clots contain a protein known as fibrin, which has the structure of a net in order to keep the clot in place. When the clot successfully forms and the wound stops bleeding, blood vessels then open up a process known as vasodilation, which allows oxygen and nutrients into the wound to accelerate the healing process. The body also cleverly directs a type of immune cell known as macrophages into the wound. Macrophages behave like bodyguards. They fight infection and ensure that repair is carried out properly. This is also why you see clear fluid around wounds, uh, which is really assisting in the cleanup process. Macrophages also produce growth factors that stimulate wound healing. This process of wound healing is known as inflammation um, and this is also the part that is generally regarded as what causes scars to develop. The later stages after inflammation would be growth and rebuilding, uh, followed by strengthening of the scar. It is in these stages that cells produce collagen and other tissue types, which will initially appear red before becoming pigmented, a type of scar known as post-inflammation hyperpigmentation. Strengthening continues to occur over months and in some cases, a few years. During this time, skin over the original wound becomes as strong as it was before the trauma, except that there may be stretching, puckering and pigmentation. All of the features we attribute to scarring. Now, I told you all that because we need to realize that being able to heal with a scar is not just an essential physiological process, but it is also one that ought not to be taken for granted. There is a genetic condition in dermatology known as epidermolysis bullosa, in which sufferers have extremely fragile skin that results um, in blisters in response to minor injury or sometimes e to even none at all. Depending on the subtype, symptoms can be more or less severe. In the worst case, recessive dystrophic epidermolysis bullosa causes affected infants to be born with widespread blistering and areas of missing skin because of the trauma occurring during birth itself. These blisters can cover the whole body and also the mucous membranes, 
such as the mouth and the digestive tract. In this case, excessive trauma and inflammation caused by the missing proteins result in abnormal scarring, which eventually disables the individual. Scarring in the mouth and esophagus affects chewing and swallowing, ultimately leading to chronic malnutrition and even the inability to feed, requiring tube feeding, for example. And because their skin is so fragile, it really never gets the opportunity to heal. Before an old injury has time to resolve, yet another one occurs. What happens then is that the ongoing scarring ultimately causes skin between the fingers and the toes to fuse together. The fingernails and toenails fall off, the joints become stuck together, and what we term as a contracture forms, so that they now become fully disabled. And if you thought it couldn't get worse, the nightmare doesn't end there. The scarring also affects the membranes of the eyes, giving rise to chronic eye inflammation that results in blindness. The fragile, scarred skin of these patients um, is also particularly vulnerable to a type of skin cancer known as squamous cell cancer, which is highly aggressive and could even be fatal. Normal, efficient wound healing that results in a pigmented or even an indented scar is a privilege that we enjoy as healthy individuals. For patients born with epidermolysis bullosa, what we have is their dream skin. And this is how I must begin my series on the psychology of ugliness, scars and disfigurements which seem to haunt us, like ghosts revisiting from the past. Told through the lens of some of ancient China's most powerful women, these stories about women who are mostly regarded as beautiful, apart from the few apparently so hideous that they too became famous. They were also known for their exceptional talents the talents on a disfigured face, like haunted scars, leaving an equally indelible mark on the history of ancient China. In Beauty, the Talisman, I begin with the tale of the ugliest empress in all of Chinese history, Muomu, a reimagination of the ugly queen who today is remembered as a demon-busting goddess incarnate and as one equally famed for her ugliness as she was, as the inventor of the mirror. This short story is the first of Beauty, the Anthology, a collection of eight short reads available on Amazon Kindle, which I created as stories designed to challenge our perceptions about beauty. These short stories are created to be read in a single seating, whether it is to accompany you on a short lunch break or on your way home and even as a bedtime read. Change your perspective about beauty and I promise that you will become more beautiful. 
Readers and listeners are also invited to share their thoughts and reflections in our community for this special project. One I hope will also change your mind about beauty standards. Well, that's all for this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed this, and do let me know what you think as well. You can always reach out to me on Instagram at Dr. Tiawan Lin or on our podcast website. It is also the week of the Lunar New Year. To all who may be celebrating it across the world, here's wishing you all a healthy, happy. And prosperous year of the rabbit, and I'll see you all in the next episode. <music>